0: Theboxingrand.com.
1: Sorry, the is not in at this time. Welcome to the tale of the tape. It's the pound for pound undisputed kings. It's the tale of the tape. Time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin. It's the sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest Like an overhand right from Crusher Kovalev The Tale of the Tape on boxingrant.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings It's the Tale of the Tape, time to enter the ring The Tale of the Tape on TheBoxingRamp.com Welcome back to The Tale of the Tape what up, what up, fight fans, and welcome back to episode 80 of the Tale of the Tate Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm your host, Kenny Keith, and joining me once again, my co-host and partner in crime, Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's up, my brother? We
0: got a uh, little bit of a calm before the storm this weekend. We're going to be burning the midnight oil covering all these fights this month, man.
1: Oh, man, it is going to be crazy. I feel like there's like two dozen fights next week. I know, it's nuts. This is the busiest month I can remember. In the meantime, we have one fight to recap, and then uh, a few to preview from across the pond, and then we'll dive into a pretty heavy week in news and notes, actually. A lot of announcements, a lot of fights coming up, a lot of nonsense being spit like usual. Of course. And it's the usual cast of characters. As always, but uh, before we kick things off, I just want to remind all of our listeners out there, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast on iTunes today and leave us a rating and review. It's very much appreciated. Um, You can also find the podcast on Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, and on YouTube. And email the show and rant with us. Send your emails to podcast at theboxingrant.com and join The conversation. So let's go ahead and kick off episode 80 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast as we revisit this past Tuesday evening. The PBC on FS1, the chef Julius Jackson squared off against Jose guy from San Antonio, Texas on toe to toe Tuesdays. Every Tuesday night, baby. Toe to toe, baby. Go toe to toe every Tuesday. Get right to the action. Uzcata guy comes out and pops the chef with a left hook pretty easily. Looked like it surprised Jackson a bit. Uzcata guy applies the pressure, moving the fight into the corner where he lets his hands go. Jackson is not protecting himself. His hands are up in the air to the side, and his chin pointed straight out. And Uzcata decks Jackson with a heavy right hook that flattens the heavy favorite. Jackson's back up. Backpedaling away from the charging Uskata guy, Jackson is in a very awkward and unprepared defensive posture, like he had no idea what to do. Finally, Uskata guy lands a hard left hook, dropping Jackson for the second time in the opening round. Tony Weeks tries to save the day. Yeah. Tries to save the day. Jumps in, and (laughs) usually the ref, if he gets interrupted during the count, there's a ref sitting ringside that continues the count for him. Correct. Yeah, he didn't just completely disregarded that. I don't know what it was, what Uzcata guy was doing that was bothering Tony Weeks so badly, but, dude, he couldn't have been more than two or three feet out of the corner, and Weeks was not counting. Weeks wasn't prepared
0: for for that knockdown to deal with that. That wasn't supposed to happen, man.
1: <laughs> oh Man, it looked like he was trying to save, uh, save Jackson, it, man. It did. You know, it came off that way anyways. Um, yeah, well, needless to say, uh, that was neither here nor there to no avail. Tony Weeks could not save the day for Julius Jackson. So he beats the, I don't know, I guess it was like a 28 count um, finally. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and just the mauling continues as Jackson is just getting peppered and finally decides to tackle the Colombian um, because he still doesn't have his bearings uh, about him. The fighters are back up and Jackson is completely lost. He's caught a guy, Dex Jackson again with another left and drops him for the third time. He's back up in the final seconds of the opening round, and he's standing with his hands by his side, kind of winging a few sloppy punches. And actually, in the midst of this unnecessary, dangerous sort of flailing, Uskada guy clocks him at the bell. I've never seen a guy Ken
0: who like where where what are you doing with your hands up like at at your shoulders? <laughs> uh, it really, I mean, I don't know if that's his, you know. It just looked terrible. I, that's what happens, Ken. The guy hasn't fought in how long? Yeah. Ten uh,
1: months? Yeah, exactly. The uh, The second frame opens with Jackson looking lost. The fight should have already been stopped. Yeah. I, I don't think there's much uh, confusion about that. Um, Uscada guy bum-rushes Jackson again, wailing on him repeatedly and excessively until Jackson falls back to the canvas for a fourth time. Tony Weeks waving off the fight. Jose Uscada guy by way of second-round knockout. You just touched on it. Um, We talked about this last time that Julius Jackson fought, where in a late-knockout victory, he took an enormous amount of beating from a guy that had no business punching him whatsoever. Yep, he did. And we also said, while extremely high, as far as prospects, you know, borderline contender guys are concerned. I mean, you had to put Jackson right up there near the top five. Um, as far as knockout punchers, and yeah, ha- you know, big puncher for sure. But um, yeah, we you know we said it. I think I think both of us were kind of on the same page, regardless of the high status we we you know the high regards we held his offense in that there was going to come a time where he would get knocked out by a lower level fighter.
0: Yeah, and
1: uh, it's not even that Uzcata
0: guy is, is that much of a lower level fighter. I just think that he that's what they would like you or that's what they thought making this fight. And I think they're a little confused as. You you, you know, you look through what Uzcata guy's done in his career. Yeah, there's not a lot of big names on the list that he's fought, but he only has one loss, and that was at middleweight, and he's come up in weight. He looks stronger. I think he hits harder at the weight. I just don't think, and it goes to the, the PBC matchmaking. I don't think they do their due diligence sometimes. They think they're putting
1: their guy in with an easy win, and it turns out, no, nah, that's not the case. You know, we spoke to this last week in the close of Episode 79, um, that in the that middleweight contest against Matt Koroboff, Uskada guy stunk out the joint. He did. He looked awkward. He looked nervous. Um, He did himself no justice whatsoever. The only thing that the announcers in that fight against Koroboff knew was that he had a pretty extensive amateur background, but nobody, and, and as is the case with so many of the South American boxers when they make their way into North America, is n- nobody knows anything about them.
0: Yeah, they they get no coverage down
1: there. No, and it's, it's hit or miss. Yeah. You know, you get guys like who's got a guy in in, uh, in uh, Mariaga. Mm-hmm. Right. Guys that can actually crack. Right. Or
0: you get the exact opposite of the spectrum. yeah Guys that get cracked and go down quick.
1: Yeah. And I think that there was an assumption that this was going to be that guy and that this was going to be the opportunity um, for Jackson to step up. He looked like a guy like we mentioned before, like you mentioned before, Vince, um, that hasn't been fighting very often in the pros and not putting much time in the game during his sparring or maybe even in preparation for the fights he had a deer in the headlights look to him of an unprepared fighter mm-hmm. not only does he fight with his hands down he backs up with his chin out and his hands up as he is escaping danger but also i've noticed in a few fight in a in a few fights events that he winces that it's almost like he's bracing for his opponent's punch so when jackson goes to throw at, the, at simultaneously, like while his opponent is throwing, yeah. his opponent is, squ- is still squared up trying to follow through on his own punch. Right. Right. He's going to eat one mm-hmm. or, or or not, but either way, he's focused on landing his. Right. Jackson has this propensity to where that punch is coming while he's throwing his. He turns his head to the side, and he's like, e-
0: don't me. there's my chin.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 that's exactly what he does. I mean, look, he's been inactive his last fight coming almost a year ago. I posted this last uh um the evening of the fight on Twitter. I said w- what do today's young american fighters expect when they fight once or twice a year? You can't be great at anything if you don't commit to it. No. It's not an indictment on his character or his family lineage like right. I don't that's I I think it's great for boxing that there's a positive role model you know, comes from a great family that people respect and consider to be nice people. The last thing that anybody wants is for nice uh, for a nice guy like Julius Jackson to get hurt because he's unprepared.
0: Right. This is a, a business that must be taken seriously. If you're a fighter, man, you can't, you cannot just fight. Uh, yeah, I'll fight a couple times a year. Yeah, mix in some sparring. Who knows how good his sparring partners are? I mean, by watching him, it looks like the way he operates in his gym is he does whatever he wants. He's he ain't got to worry about. Any guys coming in there doing any damage to him or making him work at all? I, I don't know, man. He's 28 years old. He was undefeated coming into the fight.
1: Yeah, I was that it was kind of guy fight was his that was his 20th fight. Yeah, you would think at 28,
0: this is this is the prime. This is the prime of his career right now. Why are why are you stepping
1: back in the action? Why why isn't he fighting three four times a year? It Makes absolutely no sense, dude. He hasn't fought more than three times a year. Since 2010, he turned pro in 2009. Vin. that's that's absolutely horrible management. Man. Aren't you asking to get hurt? Yeah. If that's sort of the level that you participate in the sport, I mean, dude, he fought twice in 2012 and 2014, right? So in response to my to my tweet, which I think is a common sense tweet. Oh yeah. It's not. There's no criticism here whatsoever. Mm-mm. It's it's like with anything. Do I expect to be uh, do I expect anybody to listen to this podcast if we just take a if we take two soup cans and tie and, and put a time together with a piece of string? <laughs> no, honestly, no. you know, or if we don't do our research and we just kind of just make like random flailing comments yeah. not based off of anything yeah. and say ah. Eh. That Spanish guy, he hit the black guy. Did you see that? Hey, it was hard. Oh, man. He is tough. That black fella took a tumble. <laughs> oh, that Spanish guy, man, he is something else. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean seriously, though, right. it, that, would, that would be the result of not being prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes with anything in life. I don't think this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not like breaking new ground here. <laughs> this isn't a new revelation, but I get a response saying, yeah, well, most of the top fighters today only fight twice a year. Okay, first off. I'm not sure anybody accused Julius Jackson or any professional fighter that doesn't have 400 amateur bouts under their belt, like a uh, Lomachenko or an Usyk right. um, of, of being a top guy. You know, I mean, look, I think that while this may be a stretch, there has got to be a, a piece of truth to... The Floyd Mayweather effect on boxing, oh. th- this generation's effect on boxing, the rippling that it ripples all the way down to this level of fringe contender prospect status. I don't understand how it makes it down that far. It's it's unbelievable because well here's why, because you get a guy like Julius Jackson who is almost guaranteed that he's getting paid way more than a, a fight of this level status or attention by the public would warrant it i'm sure so if there is no if there's nothing to work towards if you're already given the top prize right and you have no goals to strive for why do you need to fight more than twice a year uh
0: you're exactly right and you would think at this point in time in his career there would be i mean they should have been where's the where are you building the momentum for this kid to make a run, to make a run at a belt. There is no, nobody, he, he has no, he's not able to build a fan base. He's not able to get acclimated to being hit in the face yeah. more than once a year in a fight. Yeah. It just, it, it doesn't work that way. And I don't understand who, who's, who is advising these guys or who is managing these guys
1: and, and letting them know that this is okay. <laughs> it, it, look, it, it goes, Vince, it is a complete contradiction. It is a complete contradiction for the the owner of this company that staged this event to also be the advisor of the fighter of course i, I, I there's a complete conflict of interest. You cannot honestly look out for the one hundred percent best wishes and wills and health of a fighter in their future while you're the one who is staging the event. it's impossible yeah
0: and and on top of that staging events all over the place every week tons of fighters you can't pay enough attention and enough to the fighters that you need to be paying attention to you can't just kind of just willy-nilly throw guys around in fights like this and expect
1: them to come out of it in good shape what happens when you take a majority of a of a, a when you take a a sport where the majority of the participants come from uh, more difficult circumstances, mm-hmm. right? And you throw a ton of money at, at them. There, There is a, a much more likelihood when something you've never had before in your entire life that you can go out there and give about 50% of what historically the sport requires of you. Right. Right? And you will do pretty much anything to be able to support your family. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Honestly and truthfully. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say that if, if Al Heyman or – or Bob Arum, or or anybody, ESPN or anybody, came knocking on the door and said, hey, we want to pick up your show, and we're going to pay you you know, $200,000 a year to do a daily show, a daily boxing podcast. Right. And that'll pretty much take care of you and your family for the rest of your life, and you'll get to do what you want to do that you're passionate about for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, look, man, my pride personally has has put me in a position where I've turned down or passed on or kind of messed up opportunities because of just, you know, not supporting the stance or the, you know, I feel differently about it. My trial, right. I just, you know, won't swallow it. Right. But I can't sit here and say that, you know, okay, so if you're going to offer me that kind of money to do what I love for a living, yeah, you know what? I would probably, I don't know, like issue a statement saying, um, listen, I've said some... Uh, some harsh criticisms about this organization in the past. Right. Um, but we'll try to move forward, have with an honest presentation um, about the sport. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, eventually, I'd probably get fired for for telling and revealing too much of the truth. Right. But in all honesty, my point in all of this is, is that at some point in time, it can't just be all about the money. Right? You can't just be you dangle carrots in front of people's faces and they get so enticed by the opportunity of being able to make a lot of money for a little bit of work. And in this kind of sport, you can seriously get injured. You know, I wanted to save this for a little bit later in the show, but it kind of goes to the comments of Peter Quillen this weekend at the uh, press conference for Jacobs versus Quillen. And Quillin basically saying like, you don't ever hear anybody saying anything bad about Al Heyman. The reason why nobody wants to work with us on this side of the PBC fences is because people don't want to negotiate with Heyman because they don't like him right and he said he, he's like why would i go out there and you know try to get hurt when i can just i can just take fights and make a ton of money this is about my future to me boxing's a business that's what he said he just flat out said it he came out and said it's all about the money for him
0: get out of here man get get away from the sport if that's the way you feel about it i mean i understand you want to make money you want to get paid you want to take care of your family but don't do a disservice to the sport man don't do that it there's, there's way too much. There's uh, the rich history of this sport and the way that the greats are looked at from the past. You would never hear anything like that come out of their friggin' mouth, man. No, I mean you would have been back in the day; they'd have been chastised for something like that. Now it's,
1: eh, yeah, it's it's par for the course, man. But the, I mean, and that's just it. Like nobody is 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 sending that sort of reverence that you're talking about towards these guys. Nobody. The only people that are lifting. Them up or one another. They're all pumping sunshine equally up one another's asses. I know, you know, and they're getting paid well to do it. And money is priority. Money is priority. You become a hypocrite when you're unapologetic about it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've been seeing these retweets of the of the videos and the interviews with Paulie Malignaggi where he's saying, "No, I'll never sign with Al Heyman. I'm too much of a man." But yet, he's never issued a statement saying that I had to look out for my family in the best interest of my future. You know, if he would have just done that, right, and and fessed up to the fact that you know what, I I said some things out of passion and and in haste, he would probably have, but you know, but the thing is, he is a hypocrite, so yeah, it, it for it's not in his character to think that way. No, he doesn't
0: think he does. Did he didn't even think that was wrong to say that and come work for and not say anything about it. It's
1: yeah, it's Pauly man. And, but you know, uh, okay, let's reel this tangent back in as this relates to Julius Jackson because he is neither. Uh, Peter Quillen, nor Paulie Malinaji. No. The issue here is is more to the point of what you said. Who's advising these these guys? Right? And the fact that Julius Jackson does have a reputation for being a very respectable young man. Mm-hmm. Look, a lot of people that listen to the show, pretty much nobody that listens to this show, knows that by trade I am a chef. Right. Okay? That I've been a professional chef for a very, very long time. Um, and that is what I do by trade. Um, my advice to Julius Jackson with his notoriety, with his family lineage, um, with that million dollar smile that he has and his wherewithal and wits would be to leverage that into opening a few restaurants. Yeah. You know, get on I mean, the next, uh, food network star there, buddy. <laughs> absolutely, man. There's no reason to, as I can guarantee you right now that you can make more money and be more successful doing that. Mm -hmm. because nobody apparently ever taught him how to play defense no and it's quite apparent after last night you don't know where he's going
0: to go from here i mean he really he had no momentum coming into this this happens this is like completely deflates his career i I don't know man you're you're probably right at this point why not but hey he's getting paid good to to fight so I'm sure he's got another one coming. I'm sure he's getting paid more than he deserves.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we uh, I think in a, a very similar situation, we're seeing Tony Harrison has another one coming up. Exactly. And
0: I was going to bring him up. I mean, that's this right along the lines with him. Yeah. Same yeah. same type of fighter. Uh, and maybe Harrison was a little bit more active, but not much more.
1: No, no. and And fighting complete stiffs. I mean, absolute stiffs. Yeah. In a style that's going to get you hurt. Yeah. If you don't realize that eventually you're going to fight a guy that's going to hit you back
0: right if you fight stiffs and you're out there doing whatever you want practicing what you want to do basically uh, eventually that ain't going to work
1: before we leave this subject i just want to heap some praise on jose who's has got a guy if this dude can stay at 168 mm-hmm. and can fight with that level of purpose and aggression and that he adopts that as his style Dude, this guy's going to be
0: really exciting to watch. He friggin' steamrolled Jackson, boy. I mean, just... Man. Ugh. I, you, I didn't expect that from him. And seeing that was like, where, where, where did this come from? What the hell is this? This
1: yeah. guy's a monster. <laughs> I mean, what do you like about this kind of guy's game? I mean, you think it's his size, his strength? I mean... I think coming up in weight
0: definitely helped him out. I think he's at he's much stronger at 168 than he was at 160. And, yeah, I mean, dude, he can... He can Punch. He can punch from anywhere, any angle. He can throw all punches. So yeah, he's a he's a threat. If he's got that, if that power is legit, he is definitely a threat to any fighter he gets in the ring with.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. Um, I, I felt like I was watching a, a an absolutely one hundred percent different fighter mm-hmm. than what we saw in the ring against Matt Koroboff last year. Hey, you, you had to do something. You couldn't come with that shit, you can, man. No, no, no. Because you know he was fidgety. He was tentative. You know, he was awkward. He right. was holding a lot, you know, and maybe it was the level of opponent he was stepping in the ring with, you know. Right. Because Korobov was highly, highly regarded amateur fighter. What ha- what's happened to him, man? He's, he's fighting on the undercard of Terrence Crawford. He's fighting. Oh, that's right, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a, yeah, yeah. In a week and a half. He's, dude, a guy like Korobov, if that was a, a flash in the pan, we'll talk about, about him more next week, mm-hmm. but a guy like Korobov with his skill level, if he's able to shake that Andy Lee knockout, I think Andy Lee would pretty much knock out 99% of, of middleweights if he, if he yeah. catches them like
0: Korobov got caught. Yeah, if he chins you, you're done.
1: Right. Um, if that was a flash in the pan kind of thing for Korobov, we haven't seen the last of him.
0: No, no. Very, very technically, highly, yes. technically sound fighter, man.
1: Very highly skilled Southpaw. And at that division, um, a very highly, highly skilled um, amateur pedigree powerful southpaw in the middleweight division. Yeah, he can do some damage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. All right, so that will do it from the action. Oh, real quick before we leave the action from Toe to Toe Tuesdays. Cowboy Carl. (laughs) Cowboy Carl, who is this guy? I don't know, man. I mean, dude, like just this random white guy with flaming, flaming red hair. I mean, flaming red hair had the... Maybe like a 51-inch reach. I mean, (laughs) T-Rex arms throwing these bombs, missing his opponent by uh, 6 to 12 inches on every single punch. Matched him against the lankiest, long-armed Latino fighter I think I've ever seen at that weight class. And you could just hear the pain in Paulie Malignaggi's voice. Trying to lend credit to this kid. Yeah, yeah, and on
0: top of that fight, the the Vasquez Mendez fight. Oh my God, how ugly was that
1: fight, dude? Don't even get me started the about Vasquez. Vasquez.
0: God, well, that is the most savage. It's like, dude, you're not fight. This isn't. You can't just charge in and 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 tackle somebody or try to and wrap them up. Just ugly, ugly fighting, man.
1: Dude, seriously, he might be the. I don't know, maybe like the the number one most sleep-inducing uh, fighter I think I've ever seen.
0: It's just such a frustrating style to sit there and watch for 10 Single, rounds. Single, isolated
1: jabs. Yeah. He throws one jab and moves mm. with nothing to follow, with no consequence, and just absolutely nothing on on, on any of his punches, man.
0: Ugh. Uh, I'm glad the judges got that right, because y- you could have been confused in that fight that it was a little closer than it was because he was being aggressive but Mendez was picking him off.
1: Yeah, you're right. All right, let's move on, man. Let's get to this previews of this upcoming weekend. We have some action overseas around the globe, and then we head into a wildly busy weekend in advance of Golovkin versus Lemieux. Let's start off in Manchester, England. The WBO lightweight title is on the line. Terry Flanagan squaring off against one. Diego, not Juan. One, yeah. <laughs> Diego uh, Magdaleno, Terry Flanagan, aka Turbo. Old Terry Turbo sounds like a Disney character, man. <laughs> character from the <laughs> from the movie Cars. Yeah. Um, all right, so Terry Flanagan, right? This is his first defense of this one hundred and thirty five pound belt. That uh, let's just be honest. Yeah. He. <laughs> I don't think in modern boxing, anyways, the last few years, I don't think a um, uh, a fighter has acquired a belt under more just gifted, uh, gift wrapped circumstances than um, this belt that was vacated um, when Terence Bud Crawford stepped up in weight and moved up to 140 pounds. His fight in July against Jose Zepeda, then. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, they were literally dozy doing. Um it like they were still in the like the let 's feel each other out stage of the fight um when at the end of the second round, De could not get up off of his stool um after separating his shoulder, and not only was flanagan given the w b o one hundred and thirty five pound strap but he was also, he won it by way of devastating second-round knockout. <laughs> Jesus, man. Uh, somebody needs to take a look at that. Yeah. The WBO needs to take a look at that and see if they can't figure that out. Yeah. That fight should have been a no contest, it, man. It
0: definitely should have been. Come on, man.
1: Uh. Two rounds.
0: <laughs> give me a break.
1: Yeah, and they didn't even really do anything. Talk about some astonishing happenstance. <laughs> All right, let's get to the fight, man. Okay? Diego Magdaleno. Flanagan, old Terry two times. Or sorry, Terry Turbo. Um Flanagan. Flanagan's a very vanilla fighter, no pun intended. Oh my
0: god. Yeah, I was gonna say there's just I mean, you want a like a cookie cutter boxer. Yeah. That's Terry Flanagan.
1: Yeah, he's uh for you know for the weight class, he's tall. He's almost about he's almost five foot ten. Um, but man, for a guy that has such a, a unique height advantage in in this lower weight class, mm-hmm. he does not exploit that advantage. Nope. I, I don't know what it is, but dude, he backs up way too much. He's always moving backwards. He lets the smaller fighters that he's in the ring with be the aggressor, and he tries to counter punch. but he, there's no, like, there's nothing to his sort of counter punching style.
0: No, he's a very, very just unimpressive vanilla fighter, like you said, and uh, he better watch out, because Diego will walk you down. <laughs> he will push you back. He's not going to be able to just pitter-patter, Diego's going to come get him.
1: Yeah. Um, He's going to have to do more than what he did against Jose Gonzalez. Yeah. Okay? Uh, Because Magdaleno didn't do much of anything in those opening rounds of that fight. Magdaleno has a reputation for taking large naps during rounds. Well, he'll literally won't do much. He'll throw some feeler jabs out. Now, when he puts it all together and goes on the attack, he has not only the strength but the build to really force backwards. So to kind of expand on what you said you have here is Magdaleno and Flanagan's styles kind of match up for how they both want to fight. Right. So who has the advantage? I couldn't
0: tell you. Look, I I expect Magdaleno to, to be able to handle Flanagan, but you never know. Like you said, Magdaleno, who knows if he's going to be sleeping for three rounds in this fight, sleepwalking in there. I, it's a tough one to call. It really is.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I think, honestly, look, I think Magdaleno is probably a more refined fighter. Mm-hmm. I think he's, I think he has more skills. And, look, Flanagan kind of says it all, sort of the level of fighter that he's at. Sure, he's high level for a U.K. fighter. Of course. And we give U.K. fighters all the respect that they deserve. Yeah. But when it comes to this guy, man, he, dude, he literally telegraphs every hook that he throws. Yeah. I've never seen a fighter... I've seen fighters telegraph their punches where they'll square their shoulders before they actually release the punch. So right. it's like, okay, you're telling me that you're going to throw this punch. right? Mm-hmm. But he literally takes a step out in front of his punch. He leads his punch with a step forward. He takes his step, and then the punch slowly loops behind the step. It's like... He's got to build up that power, Ken. <laughs> doesn't have much power, man. No. And, and, you know, you look at him, he looks like a big, strong guy. He does. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. Honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't know. The last fight against Jose Gonzalez for Magdaleno um, was borderline unwatchable, though, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, most of the action that came and that came in the ninth round after a pretty weak low blow by Magdaleno crumbled Gonzalez, and then the show really began. Mm-hmm. I will never forget that display of piss poor, cowardly acting that Jose Gonzalez rolling around on the canvas for what seemed like ten minutes. I'm sitting there screaming at the TV. Dude, get up.
0: Yeah, that's that's a garbage man. Come on.
1: What's funny is he quit in a, in his in his uh um Gonzalez quit in a, He actually got a title shot against Ricky Burns and Gonzalez gave up. He was winning on the scorecards. He's up 3 rounds on every single scorecard against Ricky Burns mm-hmm. and quits with a hand injury. Ray Mancini said in the first round of the Magdaleno Gonzalez fight, you know, he says he's like, "Listen, Guy got a hand injury and he's winning the fight and has a chance to win a major world title and quits. He goes, Um, yeah, uh Ray Mancini says, Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to just completely question Gonzalez's heart. Now not to get completely sidetracked here, but that's kinda that's where Magdaleno's coming from fighting a guy that I think you and I both said when Gonzalez stepped in the ring, we were like, Who who is this guy? Yeah. What's the what's the progression here with Magdalena? Yeah. You know? Yep. This fight, Magdaleno and Flanagan, then could be very, very difficult to watch. I, I think it's going to be, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of
0: interested. Or it's kind of weird how this fight is the main event, the top of the card. I really, it, I, I would think that that uh, Smith and uh, Thompson, Smith and Thompson would be there. I, it just seems like a better fight stylistically, and I, I know there's more on the line. In this fight, or there's just as much on the line in this fight as there is in the other fight? I, I don't know, man. I think you're exactly right. This fight could be a tough one to watch.
1: I mean, I think there's more on the line in in, a, in some regards. I think there's more on the line that Flanagan needs to justify that he yeah. is the champion. Yeah. Because he didn't win that belt. No. You know what I mean? Um, so from that standpoint, yeah. As far as what a fighter needing, no fighter needs to prove more than Terry Flanagan does this weekend. No. Um, my prediction for the fight is that Magdaleno is going to stop Flanagan late. I, I honestly, I think I just think Flanagan's going to get completely exposed here. Uh,
0: I that's what I have. I'm not. I'm not going to say stoppage, but I think Magdaleno handles him pretty easy. Um,
1: yeah, man, I' I'm getting tired just talking about it. <laughs> you know, I think maybe a lot of the reason why it is the main event, though, to be completely honest with you, is the fact that Liam Smith has been waiting for an opponent. Um, in the build-up for this vacant WBO 154 strap. At one point, it was supposed to be Michel Soro. Right. And we saw him coming off of an impressive performance, and it's just too bad that he couldn't go through with this fight. I would have liked to see him in that fight. But just unbelievably, John Thompson finds himself vying for this strap. Mm -hmm. And the path that he's taken coming off of a fight against Frank Galarza that made you think that Thompson was more suspect um than he was you know prospect um but needless to say man his run through the boxino tournament was uh was something to behold really
0: it was he the way he completely demolished brandon brandon adams in that final i mean uh, nobody expected it adams was a favorite coming in he completely completely just outclassed brandon adams big time in that fight.
1: Yeah. They look like they belonged they were in two different weight classes too. Yeah. And I think we're going to see a little bit of that in this fight. Mm. Liam Smith comes in at 5 foot 9, Thompson stands 6 foot 1. Um what are your thoughts on Liam Smith?
0: Again, I mean, it's it's much along the lines of all the Smith fighters. They're they're real solid, man. They're they're solid fighters. Their their skill sets very good. He, you know, he fights behind the tight guard and he's got a nice jab and he you know, but there's nothing there's like yeah. What, what do you bring that's special? Like, show me something special about you. And you kind of you, you're left going. I mean, the guy's good. Yeah, but, eh.
1: Yeah, he's a uh, he's he's a good body puncher. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a family trait. Mm-hmm. Um, he's tough. Yep. You know, he's 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 rugged. You know, I mean, I I think being of the fighting Smiths, uh, it's those guys yeah. that came out of the womb boxing, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know man. You know, Liam maybe the it's 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 a coin flip, but he could possibly have the slowest hands of all the brothers.
0: Though. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: Um and dude, I don't know. I just think that Liam Smith is very very average. Yeah. I yeah, I'm I'm no right. disrespect to the kid. No, no. He
0: he's his skill set is very average and you know, I don't know if John Thompson is is to be considered on his way to being, you know, a a top level fighter. But I know one thing: John Thompson sports one hell of a left jab, boy.
1: Oh, I absolutely! Mean, it's, it's a
0: beautiful, long, hard jab. It's not a, it's not a get away from me jab. It's a, I'm coming to get you jab.
1: Yeah, I would say the only if 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 I could give one critique about his jab, and it's not the actual punch itself that is is a, a double edged sword for uh, the lanky Thompson is that he keeps his right hand very low. Yeah. Very low while he's flicking that left jab out mm-hmm. there, and if somebody times that correctly, he's gonna pay the price one day. <laughs> he tends to stick his chin up a bit too when he's jabbing. Yeah, I noticed that. You know, um, and you know, does it become a problem when he's when he's throwing his power shots? You know, I've noticed that too, and especially when he's sort of doing his his best Jordan, uh, you know, fade away throwing punches impression. Is that? He has a tendency, much like Julius Jackson, as we saw on Toe to Toe Tuesdays. You know, I, I noticed this. It was very evident in the Frank Galarza uh, mm-hmm. matchup, which was shocking. And and not only because Thompson was the favorite to win the fight, but the way that it ended. Like, Thompson wins the first round. Yeah, it, was, it looked like he was going to control the fight with his jabs, Slick, right? Yeah. Slick. Um, and as soon as the bell rings to open the second, Galarza sprints forward, launches an overhand right, rocks Thompson, then Galarza applies the heat to get him out of there and Thompson's trying to fend off the onslaught but he's flailing defensive punches and he just stands there with his chin literally pointing to the sky and Galarza's monster left hook yeah. knocked him flat out KTFO Oh yeah he was head first into the mat arms he- folded
0: up he looked it looked bad really bad that's the type of knockout that can you know that can change a career and I, uh, very surprising in that fight th- to have that happen. He was expected to win. Glarz is a tough guy, too. Sure. I mean, he, he obviously, he proved it. He came out. Uh, the way he came out in that second round, I mean, that, that reminds you of David Lemieux, the way he comes out. I mean, just uh, coming for the kill.
1: Yeah, and and uh, I think it was uh, Steve Farhood, um, or one of the announcers doing that doing that showbox show, said that, it, you know, I don't think it was as, as, as much, um, you know, the fact that uh, an indictment against, thompson's ability level or an extreme praise of galarza's right that it was more that thompson just got completely caught off guard
0: yeah I'm, uh, who you don't normally see that in a fight you don't see a guy charge out of the corner uh yeah uh, very very shocking but look thompson recovered big time boy
1: he did and you know what i really like about him besides the jab is his purpose you know he's got purpose in the ring like mm-hmm. he's in there you can tell that Galarza fight really refocused him, yeah, he seems determined, um he seems so unbelievably focused, and if as long as he's able to protect himself defensively because he gets a little loose, a little sloppy with his hands
0: he did he does i I noticed that in the Adams fight too, even though he knocked ended up knocking him out, he was there to be to be touched up his just not you gotta move your head a little bit, man, every once in a while, a little head movement ain't going to hurt you
1: no um. You know what, man? Honestly, I think that this fight could look like a poor man's version of Andre Ward versus Liam Smith's big brother. (laughs) It really could. Kind of just a a plotting, punching bag there to be hit. Now, I I know Liam Smith, like you mentioned in the open of this preview, um, he does fight a a really tight high guard. Mm -hmm. Uh, He does like to come forward, though. Yeah. As long as Thompson can protect his chin, um, I actually like Thompson to win this fight.
0: Yeah, I like Thompson to win a decision. I like him him to win it by four or five rounds. Easy decision.
1: Yeah um i look for thompson to shock the world here
0: oh yeah Yeah, ride that momentum hey i, I hope he does I, I, that'd be great for the kid does he come in with the mohawk i want to see the mohawk again
1: no he'll <laughs> definitely have a at least a couple custom custom paintings yeah um to be escorted out with whatever he sees uh, his inspiration coming into the fight his that's corner, cool man he'll be walking out his art gallery out to the out to the ring
0: i, d- I dig that
1: yeah, dude, and you know what? He's actually an awesome interview, too, man. Yeah, he seems like a really, really good kid. Yeah, he's a sharp dude. All right, uh, last fight to preview. We'll get to some news and notes. Jorge Linares versus Ivan Cano for the WBC Lightweight Championship. Now, Cano is ranked number 10 by the WBC. Um, so, we he is, you know, this isn't going to be a walk in the park for Linares. But no. Linares is coming off of a war,
0: man. He is, he is. And Linares can go down at any point. We know that. I mean, that's his career. Just look back at it. And he goes down all the time. He's got three KO losses, mm-hmm. and goes down in fights that he wins. And Cano is not a slouch, man. I mean, he's he lacks what it takes to be a a serious serious contender. But at but for not not for a second, should Lenaris be going into this fight thinking I got this in a the bag? There, there's going to be no problems here because Cano is tough and he can he can box. He's not a, necessarily an aggressive aggressive fighter. But he can box, he can jab, he can punch, he can throw punches with both hands. He's got decent power, and it's Linares, man. Anything can happen in a fight with this guy.
1: Yeah, now you're exactly right, man. Um, I have a feeling though that this is going to go very similarly to um, Cano's loss to Darijon. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just going to be like overtime because L- it down. Is there a more precise puncher than Linares in boxing? I, I don't think so. I really don't. Gosh, man! If Lenares had a chin and didn't go down so often, um, he he would probably be he would probably gain consideration um, for at least being a you know considered a top twenty, top twenty five fighter in the world. Oh, I, I I wouldn't argue that for a second. I think his skill level puts him there. Mm-hmm. Um, because man, he's an accurate puncher. His punches do not graze; like they don't slide off. When he hits no. you, he hits you on the button. Yeah, he squares squares them punches up on you. Um, so what do you like for the result for Linares versus Cano? You th-
0: I, I like just what you said. I think it's going to be a late stoppage. I think he's going to grind Cano down, and I think he gets a stoppage 9, 10, somewhere in there.
1: Yeah, I think that's you know this is exactly what Linares does at this. He's, his, his old man strength is in full effect.
0: I mean, Cano is tough. Cano's got, got whiskers, boy, so it's, it's not going to be easy to, to finish him off. I don't, I don't think Cano has ever been down in his career, if I remember correctly. I, I'm almost positive.
1: Was the 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 Derry Jean knockout? He got stopped on his feet.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, it was a ref stoppage.
1: Yeah, you're right. It was okay. I, I didn't. <laughs> I wrote down here that it was a TKO eleven, but I didn't put down the means of which, um, that it ended. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, you know, honestly, I just I hope Leonardis can get through this unscathed because I would love to see a rematch of. Uh, um, against uh, Kevin Mitchell, Yeah, that was that was a fun fight, boy. One of my favorite fights of the year, for sure. But man, there's some you know there's some 135 pounders uh, on the rise. I mean, Rances Bartholomew recently just moved up in weight, and he's actually they just announced it um, that Bartholomew and Dennis Shavakov are gonna are gonna do the deal. That,
0: that could be a decent fight. Bartholomew has gotten a little bit better from his snoozer performance. I think it was uh, two fights ago. Oh
1: gosh, man. Yeah, I don't know. Bartholomew's is one of those guys, man. When he fights the lower level competition, dude, he just oh, man. he
0: gets a lot of respect in the you know, amongst insiders in boxing. He does.
1: Yeah, and like you said, it's a weak division, man. I mean, Miguel Vasquez has no business being in the top ten. I like We've my talked boy about that
0: before, man. I like my boy Zlati Zlati Cannon.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a tough tough boy, man. What about uh? What about your boy? Um, um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know half these guys' names. Right. Uh, no, your boy, Mickey Bay. How about him? <laughs> oh, that's my boy there. Yeah, Mickey Bay. Hey, I think he, Mickey Bay actually had, um, you know, you know, Floyd Mayweather is all about clean sport. Right? Oh, yeah. He's all about, you know, uh, he, he is at the forefront of drug testing and, and boxing, right? <laughs> right? He's so much so. He's so much so about clean sport that he actually has three or four guys in his stable that have, uh, have tested positive for steroids time and time again. Did you know Mickey no Bay? No way. Mickey Bay has the highest registered testosterone ratio in the history of, like, registered testosterone to epitestosterone ratios. It was, like, 45 to 1. In, in Nevada or in America? No, ever. Ever? Yeah, like, ever, like, tested by, like, drug testing organizations. I think state to state it's different. Like, some of them are 3 to 1. Some of them are, I, I think Vegas may even be, I, and... Feel free to email the show anybody and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Nevada is like even more uh, lenient, like as high as six to one.
0: Oh yeah. And uh.
1: he, he had 45 to one. Jeez. What did
0: you take a shot six hours before you got tested? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's funny too is man, just uh you know, real quick before we move on, um, you know, like typically like the average human has like a certain ratio, like somewhere around like three to one, like, And the reason why Nevada has theirs even higher is because of the fact that, you know, elite athletes have a tendency to have more testosterone in their bodies than a regular human being does. Mm -hmm. For some strange reason, though, Floyd Mayweather's is the exact opposite. It's so low. It's like I think like one of his last readings was like point something like a fraction to one. It was lower than that of like a 14 year old girl. What are those IVs doing, Ken? That sounds like it's diluting the product to me. <laughs> but let's not sit here and pretend to know like like you know, pretend that we're experts on the on, right. on the subject matter. But I don't think it takes an expert to no. uh to kind of uh, That's black and white
0: right there, my friend. <laughs> Vince. Hey, whoa This whoa. is an
1: equal opportunity show. <laughs> okay. Equal opportunity. Um speaking of uh of equal um opportunities, um Sergei Kovalev will give an opportunity to, one, Andre Ward, it seems like, coming down the road. And has now the November 28th fight in Russia that we've been hearing so much about, Kovalev spending a lot of time in Russia recently, um, is now going to be postponed because, because apparently Andre Ward's people at Rock Nation are trying to finalize a three-fight deal that would have an enormous impact on the future of one Crusher Kovalev. So I guess we'll know if Crusher versus Ward is good to go in 2016, when and if Ward signs his deal with HBO, uh, you know what I hope happen. I hope doesn't happen from this
0: is Kovalev ends up chasing a fight that's further down the road and he becomes inactive. Uh, he's still, he still, I don't think there's anything that's going to make him. You know, a uh, uh, eight month or a year break is not going to ruin him as a fighter. But I don't. I'd hate to see him just kind of chasing the Ward fight.
1: No, I don't think that that can happen with this. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's how this works. Um. Kovalev's deal is is that he'll have two fights no matter what. Right, he's going to fight twice before the Ward fight, so the Ward fight would be his third fight of the year.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I thought they. What I read, I thought it was going to be an early 2016 fight or somewhat early 2016.
1: No, it's actually uh, um, that the fight would be late in 2016 for for okay. for a, a pay per view. I mean, it'd be impossible to have it early because Andre Ward doesn't even have another fight scheduled. There's like nothing on the horizon. Like, this is the most the most we've heard about Andre Ward's future in boxing is coming out of stories about Sergey Kovalev.
0: Yeah, that's that's nuts, man.
1: You know what I mean? No, I don't think there's any intention by by if there's anything that the Kovalev camp has shown us is that they do value staying active. Yeah, Andre Ward values his ego, right? He's got nothing left to prove. Can yeah. Okay, yeah. You <laughs> uh, won the Super 6, man. That's that's good enough. Dude, I was the freaking captain of the 1998 state championship, Maryland state championship baseball team, dude. I <laughs> well, can, you're good. You're I'm set. good. I'm done. Yeah. Drop the mic. I'm out here. See you guys later. <laughs> you know, who Who gives a shit? Right. <laughs> Gosh. Who cares? The only thing I care about that damn Super 6 is I'd love to get my Super 6 poster. That I just had printed. I'd love to get it autographed by all the participants. Yeah,
0: there you go. You know? That's about as good as it gets there, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I hate talking about Andre Ward, man. I really do. No, but uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's great. So if, if if Andre Ward does sign the deal with HBO, we can look forward to. Part of that, uh, the contingency plan was, is that, listen, we're not signing a deal with your boring ass unless you guarantee a fight at the end of the year with Sergey Kovac. Yeah. So uh, fingers crossed there, but we should know something sooner than later because I think part of that contingency is that it's a three-fight deal with Andre Ward that the first fight would be on the undercard of Cotto Canelo as the co-feature. Then he would have one more fight in 2016, and the third fight of that three-fight deal would be against Kovalev in a pay-per-view.
0: I think he's he's having to swallow his pride in a lot of these meetings, and, and you know, you're going to be on the undercard now, Andre? I thought I thought you were the man. You're the A-side.
1: No. You know, he doesn't realize, man, uh, his his ego has clouded him. And then when you have somebody in your corner, when your direct number one advisor is arguably the most delusional trainer in boxing. That dude is lost in translation, isn't he? Oh, my gosh. You have a one-two <laughs> combination of these guys? I mean, there's no, like, he doesn't have a voice of reason to tell him to put him in check and be like, Andre, like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. Dude, I, ju- I recently worked for a boss that had this, had this employee around this lady around that used to just that would fluff him in front of people in public it was the most embarrassing thing ever oh. and this guy would just eat it up man he loved it he was like keep showering me with ridiculous praise <laughs> oh it's just absolutely embarrassing yeah, and i guarantee you, that's the same relationship that these two mm-hmm. have uh, dude you know what man look andre ward has, swallow his pride or not, he, he's, his legacy is going to be completely showered in in what-ifs. I yep. don't care what he accomplished before. You have to fight to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the PBC is doing with this twice-a-year model will overpay you. Guess what? They're all more exposure, more money, has actually made many of these guys less Relevant, hmm. go figure, then. Yeah, go figure. Um, making a return to the ring on Halloween, your boy Felix Verdejo can't wait. Um, Verdejo will headline at Unimas uh, Solo Boxeo, brought to you by Ticket. No opponent yet, Jocelyn, uh, Joc- uh, Jose 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 Nirson Dos Santos. <laughs> Did I get it. No, I think you got it. I though. don't know if it's right though, because he's Brazilian, so it may be with a, more of a a Portuguese accent. But um, yeah, Jose Nilson dos Santos is twenty five and three with fifteen knockouts, and the rising prospect Verdejo will do the dance with him uh, at the Osceola Heritage Park in Kissimmee, Florida. There's been a pretty concerted effort to build the brand of Felix Verdejo where there are heavy populations of uh, uh Puerto Rican contingencies being in uh the Orlando and in, in the Florida area. Yeah. Um there in Philadelphia and in New York is where Top Ranks plan um to basically build the career of Felix Verdejo is uh is based out of. So we can look forward to him in those locations. PBC would probably have him fighting in Kansas, right? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Probably, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, your boy. Um, these are all your boys, so I'll just get these all out of the way. These are all Vince's boys. Um, Guillermo Rigondeaux might. Oh, hell no. M- he might be stripped of his WBO junior featherweight title. Hey, that's what happens when you don't fight. Oh. And when you do fight, nobody cares. <laughs> the WBO recently stripped Demetrius Andrade, um, who had not defended his 154-pound belt in 13 months. So, Rigo and Caribe Promotions were sent a letter. By this very same organization that did the very same thing um, to uh, Demetrius Andrade and asked Rigo to show cause why he should not be stripped. Rigo now has 10 days to show this cause why he should not be stripped or it will be declared vacant. Under the WBO rules, if the champion fails to defend his title within a nine month period, you shall be stripped. Um, You know what, man? If you can't provide reasonable explanation for the inactivity let's say he wasn't injured no okay um and actually the truth to be told is is that he's turned down multiple fights multiple career high paydays he's going to get stripped what is he
0: doing with his career does he realize how how much respect he gets from insiders and nobody likes him as a person but why would you why would you sit on that
1: People think you're the best fighter in the world. That's why. That's why. He thinks that he is entitled to things that other people are not. Be- he he has the same mentality that Andre Ward has. I don't get it. You're not a star, dude. Nobody knows you outside of the sport. He's held that WBO belt since beating Nonito Donaire in 2013. So 30 months ago. And defended it once. He's defended it three times. Three times. Okay. Um, and let's see. The last time he defended it was almost a year ago, okay, Um, when he fought an unknown Hisashi Amagasa who decked Rigondeau twice in that fight, Yeah, dropped him twice. Um, So it looks like he's going to be stripped. He's not going to be able to show proof of cause. He doesn't have anything on the horizon because he thinks that he deserves, you know, to uh, headline a pay per view where he doesn't even have to fight anybody. <laughs> so, um, but the WBO will more than likely have the number one and number two rated fighters in their uh, in their universe um, square off against one another. And if I if my memory serves me correctly, the most recent uh, ratings at 122 pounds has Cesar Juarez and Nonito Donaire. So it looks like Donaire may get another crack at that belt. Hey, good for him, man. He's, he's had a nice little comeback. Yeah, he stayed active. Yeah. What do you know? Wow. Hey. Oh, good things will happen if you actually show up to work. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Um, a fight that last year, at the beginning of 2014, you and I talked on, on many early episodes of the Tale of the Tape about a potential clash. Between Keith Thurman and Sean Porter, mm-hmm. we were really excited. I think everybody in boxing was really excited about. Hell this. Hell yeah! Um, they were the two top welterweight up-and-comers. Yep. Um, so it looks like December twelfth, the fight's going to happen. I dude, I can't wait. I, I'm I'm psyched for that fight. Possibly, it looks like right now the venue is going to be in San Antonio.
0: I don't, you know, that's a that's a bit of a fight town. I don't know. If those guys draw in that town,
1: yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that they. I'm not sure how well, uh, black fighters have done in San Antonio on their as the headliners. I'm
0: surprised it's not it's not on the West Coast somewhere, L.A. or, uh, uh,
1: well, I mean, or maybe in you know in in Ohio or uh you know in Tampa, right? Like in one of their hometowns, you'd be yeah. gu- guaranteed a sellout crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, San Antonio is great if there's a Mexican on the bill.
0: Yeah. It's a
1: hell of a fight town. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they're both draws in their own right. So, I mean, I, I think you put them together um, and you don't uh, outkick your coverage. Yeah. You know, I think they could definitely sell out a fifteen, seventeen thousand 17,000-seat arena. So ESPN, okay, check this out. Dan Raphael reports that the fight's going to take place on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Then PBC publicist Jake Donovan contradicts that and says that no, the fight's actually going to take place on NBC or ESPN. Uh, I'm a little confused here. Do you find it a little strange that Dan Raphael wouldn't know that his network is in the running for the fight?
0: Yeah, he's being told by outside people that his his network is, is putting a fight on.
1: But my question is, is Jake Donovan on the outside? He's been an unofficial score ringside for the PBC, and he handles all their press releases, and he handles all of the the, uh, the doctoring of the numbers for them. He's a fluffer. Oh, yeah. 60% sold out. <laughs> sold out,
0: then. Why do people do that, man? I don't understand.
1: Yeah, I don't either. But I just found that like really bizarre that the guy from ESPN says it's going to be on Showtime, but the guy who works inside for the PBC says, no, it's actually going to be on your network. Strange. Yeah. Where I, thought you- it,
0: I thought it was strange that they were putting it on Showtime, to be honest. I would think that would be... That's that's the biggest fight the PBC's had amongst their two of their biggest stars besides Deontay Wilder at the, at this point in time. Why wouldn't it be on NBC? Why wouldn't it be on ESPN?
1: Well, why all of a sudden is Showtime have all these fights? That's
0: very curious. Very very curious. If,
1: if the when the question is asked to the smug troll, um, what do you call him, uh, Espinoza? The rat. Oh yeah, the rat. <laughs> um, when when the questions asked of him, his he just goes into complete condescending mode and talks down and makes you feel like a complete moron and an idiot for thinking that there wasn't some plan to to backload Showtime's boxing schedule to the end of the year. Right. doesn't make any sense at all. Why would you do that and take the last three months of your boxing schedule off of what you have just spent hundreds of millions of dollars to invest in? He's so full of shit, man. He really is. I, I, don't, I don't. I just. I do not understand how somebody like I get it with Al Heyman and and his cronies, and I, I know I know Stephen Espinoza is one of them. Mm-hmm. So so, but I get it there because at least like you do. If it, look, if they're gonna pay, and it may, and I know it's not their money, but if they're gonna pay for their own time slots, it kind of at least at least puts them in a position to say, you know what, we can kind of do things the way we want to because we're paying for it. Exactly. So I, I, I get that, but Showtime relies 100% off of subscriptions. Now, I know that they have the backing of CBS because they're a subsidiary, right? Right. That's their parent company. But how is it that somebody like Steven Espinosa is allowed to talk to the, his subscribers the way that he does without losing his job? He, and
0: he doesn't even, if people try to draw him into arguments, he never really argues his side. He just challenges whatever you say or belittles you.
1: Yeah. Oh, Dude, he's, a, he's an attorney, man. Yeah. He's a lawyer. He, he lawyers every conversation. If you say, if you present a fact to him or ask him a question that directly contradicts something that he said or something that his, his organization or the people that fatten his pockets, mm-hmm. if, if, you, if you do that at all, he does what a lawyer does. He doesn't try to refute your claims. He tries to discredit you right. as knowing what the hell you're talking about.
0: He is, I don't know, man. I can't, I cannot stand that guy. I really can't.
1: So you, so, so uh, let me clarify here. Let me ask you to clarify. So if, am I reading you right here, Vince? Am I interpreting what you're saying that you think that the PBC is going to plan B? I.
0: It, it's it's definitely curious, man. I mean, why all of a sudden are we getting, you know, every fight that we get on free TV, and we're getting we're getting shit. Yeah. All of a sudden, the prize ponies are moving back over to showtime. It, it almost seems to me like Al signed this huge stable of shitty fighters, and he knows it ain't going to work, and he's been told by the networks, your, your time's running short. We don't, thanks but no thanks, yeah. Al. And he's got to just, let's get all these guys that i signed to these three, four fight contracts. Let's get rid of them.
1: Regardless of, of paying for airtime, the networks know that that money is going to run out, that they're mm-hmm. not going to be paying for airtime forever because the whole, the whole goal here is to, you know, the whole goal here is to get paid, um, you know, in a, in a licensing deal, much like the way Showtime, you know, pays for, uh, you know, pays to have fighters on through licensing deals but the fact that that money's going to run out the networks like NBC and so on these free to air networks they they're always they're in the business of of television ratings right so they're watching these ratings they're watching the ratings slip further and further and further now you're starting to see shills guys that you wouldn't expect because they've been so pro pbc when it comes to the public relations side of things right that are now beginning to publish articles about how these ratings for the PBC are in steep decline. And I guarantee you right now, NBC's looking at it like, this is a joke, man.
0: Yeah, uh, they probably they probably wish they had a way out now.
1: Yeah. yeah, and and maybe this is it. Maybe the back door is right there. Maybe Steven Espinoza knew. He's like, you know what? I got me a little side deal with Al. He's, he's giving me a big, fat lump sum. See, I guarantee you right now money has been exchanged oh, yeah. between Al Heyman and Steven Espinoza for him to be Al Heyman's little bitch. Oh, hell yeah. You know it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So he's like, yeah, I'll keep Showtime warm for you. I'll tell my bosses that we got this big extravagant plan and it's all just going to come back to us or like some of the more extreme conspiracy theories out there. And I, I don't even begin to try to discredit it because it actually makes more sense than anything else Mm -hmm. would say that there was never a plan for any of this other stuff to succeed in the first place. That Showtime was always going to be there as a fallback option. And guys like Heyman and Espinosa and all of these sham promoters like DeBella and all these guys were all just going to reach into this gigantic piggy bank and get rich as hell and then ride back to Showtime. And there was never any plan at all
0: and everybody will forget all about the pbc in two years
1: after it's done big old ponzi scheme oh my god man logic yeah i mean come on man yeah come on it's right there danny jacobs versus peter Quillin. if you haven't seen the fight poster for this yet then danny jacobs is the a-side oh really get it right whoo peter's okay with that huh jacobs says the belt around his waist is what makes him the a-side the battle for the Brooklyn belt. Did you see a picture of that thing? I did. Looks like one of those fantasy football belts that you can buy for like 45 bucks online. (laughs) You see it? Oh, this thing looked like one of those knockoff Toys R Us versions of the WWE belts that you can buy. Nobody
0: thinks they're the two best fighters in Brooklyn anyways. Give me a break.
1: I got one for you. Tell me what you think about this. At the press conference, Quillen and Jacobs were both asked about potential fights with Triple G. Both fighters responded by saying, you know, hey, If Showtime and HBO can make a joint pay-per-view, we'll fight them. These guys
0: are so fucking delusional, man. What are you talking about? You were just, both of you, just on national television. You didn't even get
1: a million friggin' viewers. It's free. Dude, I saw an interview with Peter Quillen where he said, Hey, man, you know they asked him about Triple G, and he was like, Hey, man, you know, I mean, look, Pacquiao and Floyd were able to do it. And they made like 280 million. You know, if they can put together a, a, a Showtime and HBO can work together again, I'll take five or 10 million. I'll fight Triple G.
0: He's dumber than I thought, Ken. He really is. He's fucking clueless.
1: They, these two guys will never be on a pay per view unless it is as the sacrificial lamb side of a fight against Cotto, Canelo, Lemieux, Triple G. Are you kidding me? Yeah. If, yeah, we'll make it if Showtime and HBO can, if they can get back together and do another pay per view. Yeah, this dude. Showtime
0: and HBO have gotten together for two fights: Lewis, Tyson, Mayweather, Pacquiao. Quillen Triple G is not going
1: to do it, <laughs> dude. Peter Quillen is he? Is he the the most delusional fighter in boxing? I think it's safe to say that. This guy just, I, uh, I don't know, man. I don't even know how that even comes up like that just it lends 100 percent pure stupidity. If I'm if I'm sitting there and listening to that
0: and holding a mic in his face or at at a press conference and he's making. How is somebody not laughing his face? (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's what should have happened. Yeah, man. Uh, It's a total joke, dude. Oh, it's an absolute joke. Um, When you take all these interviews from the, from the PBC's top fighters and there's like this, there, there's, there, you know, there's a common theme to all of them. The number one priority is to get paid. Mm -hmm. Right. So all the delusional sideshow, sideshow circus stuff that comes along with it, they don't even hear themselves when they say it, you know what I mean? They make it very clear that they do not want to go after the biggest challenge. They don't want to test themselves. They don't want to risk the easiest paydays Jacobs versus Quillen fight is going to overpay both of these guys as they compete for this meaningless plastic battle of Brooklyn Belt. If there wasn't a piggy bank full of cash that they can just reach into and take whatever they think they deserve to make for this fight, and it was actually based off of an actual profit-based market Mm -hmm. that would actually have to dictate a very different story to both of these guys on a very different platform without the need of a professional wrestling storyline to draw attention to it, Give me a break, man.
0: That's a weak professional wrestling storyline, even. Oh, my gosh. I know, dude. Seriously. Ugh, it is awful. That ain't no Macho Man and, and Hawk back in the day when, they, when he steals Miss Elizabeth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, or old Virgil. Dude, do you follow Virgil No, on, I, on Twitter? I don't. Oh, dude, you've got to follow. You think following Shannon Briggs is funny? You've got to follow Virgil.
0: Is, is it the real Virgil? Oh, it
1: is. I think that's his Twitter handle. Yeah, the real Virgil, dude. It is absolutely hilarious, man. <laughs> he is so unbelievably vulgar. <laughs> unbelievably vulgar, man. Oh, the million-dollar man. The old million-dollar dream, Ted DiBiase. All right, Artur Baterbiev uh, returns to the ring November 28th at Quebec City, Quebec. He's looking for an opponent. He'll be in the co-feature of James DeGale versus Lucian Bute. Potential opponents, one with Sullivan Barrera, was supposed to be one dropped out due to a legal issue, so he cannot enter Canada. Mm. Uh, Uneski Gonzalez was mentioned. Like that. So do I. Um, Coming off that controversial loss to Jean Pascal this summer. Yep. But, um, yeah, that's not going to happen. He has respectfully declined. And now the number 14-ranked 175-pounder, a German light heavy by the name of Caro Murat, um, is the likely option.
0: Uh, Caro's been around a while. He's uh, nothing special.
1: No. No, he's not. Um, So, yeah, so that might be that. And then the winner becomes the mandatory challenger to Juan Crusher Kovalev. Um, Real quick, back to your boy before we close the show, Steven Espinoza, told RingTV.com, all right, that Deontay Wilder will likely fight again in January, and he provided a short list of possible opponents. The WBC has Alexander Povetkin. How many times have they said that he is the mandatory challenger? Why is there a short list? How can there be a short list of opponents, Vince?
0: I, I don't. This is one of the things. I There's no explanation for it. I don't, I don't understand what the hell is going on here. How is this guy allowed to just skate fighting the best and hold your belt, WBC?
1: So, so okay, we we speculated that that was what they're trying to do here, that mm-hmm. they're laying the groundwork for the – for the inevitable avoidance of a real fight, right? Well, they
0: so, they want a piece of if their vision is, what if Wilder Klitschko happens? We want a piece of that pie, and we're going to let them keep it until it does. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> According to the Wilder side, there's many rumors that had suggested a fight against Brian Jennings. Then Gary Shaw comes out today and says. Um, yeah, uh, Wilder's team told me that he is not even considering Brian Jennings for a fight. Uh, no wonder. Yeah, but they're name-dropping. I know. They're name-dropping because that is enough for a contingency of fans that they are targeting. They've already said they're going after Mayweather's fan base. Right. So to be able to gain props with Mayweather's fan base, all you have to do is have a flashy move. All you have to do is flash style over substance. All you have to do is talk about it. Yeah, well, he said he wanted to fight him. What? Yeah. What what's that mean? <sighs> There's I mean, when I first heard that in in and, and the quote was that, you know, it was it was likely that that was the fight that was on the horizon. I'm th- thinking to myself, I'm like, there is no way that Deontay Wilder is stepping in the ring with Brian Jennings. Brian Jennings would ice him out, boy. You think so? I I know so. <laughs> How about that? You know so um, from so so this is quoting uh, your your boy Steven Espinoza um, from conversations with his team. My understanding is that Deontay would like to continue to stay as active as he has. Okay, so we've already heard Wilder's manager use the same exact line. Yep. Okay, so they they've already they've already emailed it out to everybody involved um, to to repeat the same thing over and over again. So there's another clue to the fact that this is being set up or a letdown. Mm-hmm. So we're looking to have him back in January, very likely on, a sh- on, a, on Showtime in a step-up fight. <laughs> How does
0: the champion have a step-up
1: fight? That's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. I mean, we're hearing comments from these, from these handlers, from Lutabella, from, from Steven Espinoza, that uh, we heard Lutabella say learning fight, that that was a learning fight, for 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 wilder champs learning these days and now we've heard St- steven espinoza that the champion i've never heard that used before the champion will have a step-up fight isn't he already the champion he's on top of the mountain how's he stepping up he's the undisputed heavyweight champion <laughs> <laughs> oh man where where is he stepping up to
0: it's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard, man.
1: Vince, this, I i don't even know, man. Like, this has, like, got my brain spinning into mush having to read this crap. There's such a calm episode, you know? Such a just, uh, relax, calm before the storm. Gonna, right. you know, gonna get ready for, you know, for the week that lay ahead, and boxing's gonna take off and close the year, and then, of course... Surprise, motherfucker! Just right on cue. <laughs> You had to bring the rat up, didn't you? Ugh, the rat.
0: Ugh. You throw the rat and Wilder in the same show, boy. You got you got some
1: heat. <laughs> <laughs> the rat. Oh, that's the best name ever. It's so perfect for him too.
0: I mean, that's that's what I envision when I see him sitting ringside. I'm like, look at that little rat.
1: Yeah, look at dude. All he needs is like some some whiskers sticking out. Give him a block of Sargento cheese. And-
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man. Uh, oh, perfect! Uh, you know, and 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 you know what Steven Espinoza's response to that be? <laughs> Sargento cheese. I'll eat that. I'll eat that <laughs> that low life stuff. You can talk about Sargento cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, step up fight. So this step up fight could. Here's the here's the short list, right? It could be Vyacheslav glaskov to Jennings to Tony Thompson, could be any one of them. He wants to continue the momentum that he's built from being as active as he moves toward the ultimate goal, which is eventually Vladimir Klitschko next year. And then, what do you know? Right around the the same week, the very same week that all of this groundwork is being laid, the announcement, 20 days away, of a fight a heavyweight fight between Tony Thompson and Malik Scott. Tune up. <laughs> so oh,
0: so God. Tony Thompson's going to knock Malik Scott out or beat Malik Scott, and they're going to go, hey, look, both guys beat Malik Scott. This is going to be a good matchup. Yeah, both of them knocked out Malik Scott. <laughs> Dude,
1: they could not – they are so bad at this. They
0: are. They They, they
1: can't even – I mean, it's like you're the worst liars in the world. <laughs> I mean, dude, the Tony Thompson versus Malik Scott on the PBC on Bounce. That sounds about right. Dude, I thought the PBC on Bounce was supposed to be a prospect show. Now they got a 43-year-old versus a 34-year-old, but guess what? I'm sure they just needed a platform to slap this thing on there because they, you know, Last-minute decided, okay, Tony Thompson's going to be the guy that we dodged Povetkin with, and then we're going to blame it on Povetkin because he decided to take a fight in November.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Like, Povetkin's not going to be ready to come back in January after a November 4th fight against Marius Wach. And I guarantee you right now, the only reason he's fighting Wach is because he wants to fight a tall guy to get him ready to fighting a tall guy, and that fight will probably last maybe five or six rounds.
0: Uh, that, that wilder can fight will ne- never be made unless it is absolutely forced by the WBC.
1: What a joke, dude. Yeah, it, it's it's a complete joke. Uh, the writing's on the wall. Yep. There's your fight, folks. Here comes Tony. Yep, <laughs> Tony. <Yeah. laughs> hey, well, they both knocked out Malik Scott. <laughs> so he's legit. Actually, Tony Thompson is way more legit than Dwapas. Yeah, I, I, I
0: think Tony would probably provide some serious problems. Uh, dude, anybody in the top ten? I'm going to tell you this. Anybody, any heavyweight in the top 10, put him in the ring with Wilder. I'm betting on the other guy. <laughs> I guarantee you I'm betting on the other guy until it happens
1: because it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and just uh, seal the deal here. Um, and uh, it is official that um, Arthur Abraham will be defending his WBO super middleweight uh, championship against Martin Murray and that was kind of unexpected.
0: Is B-Hop going to be holding his breath that Martin Murray doesn't steal that thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, apparently that that that's the fight, you know. B-Hop wants Arthur Abraham in in think, January or February.
0: I think Martin Murray uh is a live live dog in that fight.
1: I completely agree with you, man. I, I I'm going to pick him to walk out of there with the belt. <laughs> uh, either way, it'll be an interesting fight. Yeah. You know, give it, uh, you know definitely something to keep our uh our eyes on. Um, you know, down the road. So, yeah, man. I guess that will uh, just have to do it for for episode eighty. Mm. Twenty episodes away from from one hundred. Just killing it over here. It's crazy. That <laughs> it is just absolute chaos. Killing the game, brother. Out of control. Um, yeah, we'll be back uh, for episode eighty-one as we will preview. The PBC on FS1 toe-to-toe Tuesdays returns. Gerald Washington squares off against Amir Mansour. It should be a good heavyweight uh, action fight right there. Um, And then on Wednesday, we get a PBC on ESPN show. Lee Selby squares off against Fernando Montiel. Devin Alexander versus Aaron Martinez and Ivan Redcatch returns to action on that Wednesday card. And then one of the most highly regarded prospects in all of boxing, Joseph Parker, Returns on Thursday in New Zealand. He is staying highly active. Yeah, much like Anthony Joshua, his next fight is already scheduled. That's smart, man. Yeah, and uh, man, I tell you what, jo- Joseph Parker, uh, keep your eyes out um, for that man right there. So there's a lot coming up here um, in the boxing rant family of boxing blabber, boxing banter uh, coming down the road. A um, a new episode. Of the boxing rant will be coming your way here in a few days with special guest Michael Montero from Montero on Boxing and also special guest um, in the lead up to his fight a uh, an eliminator on the undercard but it is t- the fight will be televised um, Toriano Johnson will join me um, for a special interview in the lead up to his fight with Amon O'Kane um, as we look forward to Golovkin versus Lemieux. And um, that should that should be a good interview there, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That should be a good one indeed. So look out for a new episode of the Boxing Rant with uh, Montero on boxing and Toriano Johnson joining me. Um, and then, like I said, Vince and I will be back with episode 81 as we will go in depth and break down every single fight, all of the action, and give you an in-depth look into the upcoming HBO pay-per-view spectacular. October 17th from Madison Square Garden as Triple G Gennady Golovkin looks to unify the middleweight division against slugger sure to bring a slobber knocker David Lemieux but I'd like to thank you all for tuning in to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com so until next week when we dive deep into the action and professional prize fighting for my co-host Vince Cummings so you can follow on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81. I'm your host, Kenny Keith. And you can follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. Subscribe to the Tale of the Tape on iTunes today and leave a review. It's much appreciated. And you can find us on Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, TuneIn Radio. And of course, visit theboxingrant.com. So for Vin, I'm Ken. And we'll see you next week. More from the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on theboxingerant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.